You are listening to the audio preaching podcast of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Fallbrook, California, pastored by James Christensen. Though located in the heart of Southern California, you will hear powerful, relevant, and life-changing preaching from the Word of God. Pastor Christensen believes that every Christian can reach their potential for the Lord. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Much of the book of 1 Timothy was written from Paul, which was God's heart, through Paul, and then to Timothy. Last Sunday morning for Mother's Day, I preached out of 1 Timothy, where the Word of God was now transitioning into the women. And I thought it very interesting that uh, particularly 1 Timothy chapter uh, 5 and uh, much of the portion of that, of that chapter uh, refers to women, uh, their role uh, as they walk with God, their role with their husband, uh, the single uh, women, uh, even aged women in the church, young women not married yet. And uh, so uh, I just wanted to take a moment. And though Paul is speaking to Timothy as a new pastor, there's still much in this book of 1 Timothy that... Uh, fingers off to give everybody in the room something in their life stage. And really the heartbeat of 1 Timothy is Paul challenging Timothy, which he received that challenge from the Lord, about those that are interested in serving the Lord. And now that doesn't mean you can't have a job on the side. It doesn't mean that you can't be in the Marine Corps or you can't uh, be a plumber or own a business or be a, be, be a, a, you know, a stay-at-home mom taking care of the kids. I believe everybody who's a Christian serves the Lord and, or ought to. And so if you're not serving the Lord in some way, you need to get serving the Lord in some way. And every member of God is a minister. And I wanted to take this portion of Scripture, London, and uh, though the attention is on London as a graduate, I believe the Word of God can still give everyone in any life stage in this room something to take away in their heart, because the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's for everybody, uh, no matter what, God could use it. And the Bible says if you'd be willing to take your Bibles, and uh, you could just stay seated and glance uh, there with me, if you will, in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Verse number 11, Paul is challenging uh, Timothy to be a man of God and to uh, fulfill the role of that. And we know that uh, London is a young lady. God has created two kinds of people. He's created a man and he's created a woman. Uh, there's no such thing as both or in between or things like that. Uh, we know that God instituted uh, the from the dust of the ground, man, and then from the rib of that man, Adam, uh, God had created a woman, and he said uh, that her name was woman, uh, referred to as woman before her name was given Eve, because she was taken out of the man. And so uh, there's two kinds of people. And so now our graduate tonight is a young lady by the name of London. She's our oldest daughter. And my wife and I celebrated 21 years of marriage a few days ago, and we thank the Lord for that. And London was our first child, and uh, we uh, had many challenges with her. And uh, you'll see in a few moments a video where she just was so mouthy her whole life. And uh, she got that from her grandmother, I know it for sure. And her aunt. And so... Uh, 
Hey, nothing's changed around here, Turkey. They're all the same still. But thou, O man of God. Now, we know that Paul was speaking to Timothy. We also know that through the Word of God, God could also speak and encourage and challenge us in some way. The Bible begins to explain that the need of serving the Lord and being a godly individual, we're going to need to learn to flee things that are of the flesh, flee, uh, the Bible challenges Timothy to flee the youthful lusts, and uh, there's things that we desire, and we wished we could go do this and go do that, and, but surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ is the best thing that you could ever do. I love the fact that, that uh, my children have been raised up in the church, and of course, my mom and dad here uh, have raised my whole family up into the church uh, before I had met my wife. And uh, so there was a lineage of faithfulness and encouragement there. And the Bible tells us, and follow after righteousness. So now the instructions given to you, London, tonight by way of graduation is to keep your heart tender and soft and clean before the Lord. I had trained up my children for years that I'll give them rewards if they graduate and finish. And uh, be able to help them along. Not going to do life for them, but I'll I'll match their hard work and I'll encourage them forward in some way. I've encouraged them not to touch the for the girls, not to touch boys or allow boys to touch them. I've encouraged my son not to touch a young lady or let a young lady touch him. And and uh, I've kept tried to strive to keep these covenants between them and that we would uh, have instruments in our home and we'd play good music and that we would let the word of God be the guide in our house. And and I know daddy hasn't done everything right, that's for sure. Um, But I need to teach you how to drive because mommy's not cutting it. And, uh, but don't let Grammy, she crashed the church van, okay? And, uh, but follow after righteousness, godliness. And then it says, so godliness, the definition there is everything that uh, God's interested in and everything that he is about and who he is. And the Bible continues to tell us faith, love, patience, meekness. That's that authority and power under control. And Paul is encouraging this young man, Timothy, and he was speaking to the young ladies just a few uh, verses earlier. So godliness in the church and in the home, it really is wrapped up with fleeing. Fleeing the things that, oh, I really wish I want to just go do this again. We have too many young people that are just fleeing the church and heading on into whatever it is that floats their boat or drives their train in some interest, and in a couple of years later, they're not sure where they're at. And the lost generation has been proven in the United States of America is between 17 and 27 years old. And uh, just that's the lowest Sunday school class, that's, the, that's the, the, the lost generation, if you will, interested in God. And I want to encourage you tonight, London, to flee the things of the flesh and to keep that heart for the Lord. God has given you talents. He's given you gifts. He's uh, uh, helped you to understand and give you wisdom and discernment in so many different ways. And that's not to be given to the things of the world. We can work in the world, but not give our heart to the world. We can be in the world in, in the things that we need for the journey of life, but not have our, our life so entwined in that world that we become that world that we're in. And we don't make fun, we don't scorn, we don't act like we're better than anybody, uh, but we do want to live on purpose and we want to schedule our life. And the Bible tells us about fleeing, fleeing the things that uh, can trap and snare our heart. 
You know, Satan would love to, to have you in his possession. He's always hunting his former children. Before we get saved, we were born into that family of the devil, of sin. We were bought with a price through the name of Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that, church? And Satan is always hunting. He wants his old children back. Now I want to encourage you tonight, London, to keep a, heart, a soft heart for the Lord, to keep a tender heart for mommy and daddy when we make mistakes and when we need to apologize to you and to the other kids or to each other when we sometimes even need to apologize to the Lord because sometimes we're a little rough on the Lord. Sometimes we misunderstand his, his, um, his, the footsteps he's creating for us. We can get upset at God. And, and we, can, we can cop an attitude with the Lord at times. I want to encourage you, London, to, to flee a negative, scornful, bad spirit towards the Lord. And, uh, you know, I remember so many difficult times, uh, particularly with mommy, that uh, my children, God had given them the grace, because it wasn't from me, that's for sure. God had given them the grace to have a good spirit watching mommy go through some tough things. Some of you have understand what I'm saying and some tough trials at times in life. And you know, Satan would love to just dig an attitude claw inside of the children to get, because mom went through this, I'm ticked off at God. By the way, that's a natural response. And Satan wants to just, just ensnare and trap that heart to get mad at things and mad at God and mad at the word of God. Well, this church thing doesn't work. And man, I've helped clean the church so much and I've done this and now look what God's allowing. And you know, flee that kind of a spirit. Get away from it. The Bible continues to say in verse number 12 that fight the good fight of faith. Not only should we follow after because of godliness and righteousness and meekness, and that ought to be the attribute of Christ in you, right, London? That the Lord would have that influence that he would give to you. And I uh, appreciate that verse in Luke where it says that when Jesus was, you know, uh, he, and, and he began to grow in favor with God and with man. You know, there's nothing like having the favor of God. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be impressive. People don't have to, you know, give you accolades on things and clap for you all the time. But it's a very soft pillow when you know that God's hand is upon you and you and him are going to work this out. And I want to encourage you on these three areas tonight, London, to flee the things of the flesh and the things of the world, but also to follow after that righteousness and the godliness and a meekness and a sweet spirit. But then also continue to fight the good fight of faith. I like how it says the good fight. There's a lot of battles and fights that they're no good no matter how, what the outcome is, such as driving on the 91 freeway. Doesn't matter how the outcome is, it's not a good fight for me. I just want to get through that battle, you know? And life is a lot like that, where there, there, there isn't any rewards with it. It's just a grind. Would you know that's how the world has to live their life out so many times. But we don't have to surrender to that kind of a defeat. As a Christian, we can fight. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be you know, challenging. We have health issues. And we have financial uh, difficulties and even ruin at times. And, uh, but London, as you go off to serve the Lord and as you learn how to do secretarial stuff in the church and you tuck up against mommy and against Miss Ashley who have done well in their life to serve the Lord. Um, I want to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. Don't fight your siblings. Okay? 
because we know what an easy battle that is against your brother, okay? And, uh, but don't just fight people. How many of you know that when we fight each other in the church, there's no victory for that? You might go to bed feeling like you were right, but there's no joy in it. Boy, if I had to learn the hard way on that. Still am learning it. But our battle isn't with people. And our battle's not against the Lord. Our battle's against the principalities and powers in the darkness of this world. And Satan, who wants your heart back, would love to get you to play the violin in you know, some bar somewhere or give your talent and try to get a clap from somebody on American Idol or something or get you to marry the wrong person or mess up your life or your body, your mind, or your heart. But I want to encourage you as you flee and as you follow after the Lord, I want to encourage you to stay in the battle, stay in the fight. I'll never forget when London and I were in Papua New Guinea and flown into Port Moresby and there was a pastor that I had never met before. And his name was Pastor Tao. Most Americans have not met Pastor Tao. Brother Fry was with me, Brother Caesar Biotti was with us. We had, London had, had uh, been walking with her violin and we were picked up by a man in the church at the pickup truck and went down this dirt road and jumping us all around. And we were trying to get to another little island called Daru, and that was going to take another day or so. And so Pastor Tao wanted me to come in and meet us, American pastor, wanted me to preach for him. And, and I thought, well, let's use our time wisely. I just want to eat pizza and sip on Coke and go to bed. I want to, I want to do something for the Lord. And so we used that transition time in, the, in the, that, that Port Moresby and uh, when we pulled up to the church property, <clears throat> um, Shalom Baptist Church. Remember that, Brother Fry? Pulled up to the property, and everybody was running around. Kids were playing around, and it was Sunday. I think, no, no, it wasn't even Sunday. I think it was like a special service they did, like a Tuesday night or whatever. It was like a one-night revival night or something. He didn't even know who it was. And I'm looking all around for the pastor, and uh, didn't really even know what I was looking for. He was kind of looking for a, more of a local guy. He had never been to America that I had known about. And, and so there, London and I are standing next to each other, and I'm standing at the back of the auditorium. She's holding her violin, planning on being a blessing, trying to be an encouragement. And <clears throat> I saw one person. This church was pretty large, probably 10 times the size of this auditorium. Maybe it would hold three or 400 people. And there was one person sitting on the front row. And I was in the back of the auditorium, and I grabbed London, and I said, well, let's, let's, let's go get set up. I didn't know that the person I was about to walk down the aisle and meet was going to be the pastor. And right before we started walking from the dirt to the concrete slab, the pastor's assistant nudged me and said, that's Pastor Tao. Now, initially, I kind of thought it was a little bit weird that I'm preaching for the pastor and he's not going to turn around and say hello to me. Uh, so I thought, well, okay, uh, let's see how, how this all goes and kind of a strange uh, interaction meeting and things like that until I realized he couldn't even turn around. He was sitting in a special chair that was different than the rest of the auditorium. The auditorium didn't have any walls, didn't have air conditioning, uh, didn't have padded seats. We've got it pretty good here. And got up to the front, London standing right next to me, but Fry was there with me as well at the time. And I looked over, and I immediately realized why the pastor didn't pick us up at the airport. 
and my heart began to break immediately. And I reached down, and the pastor had to take his arm to shake my hand. Pastor Tao's one of our missionaries. He's right over here. And his wife came up and talked to us, and his daughter, London, and, my, and his daughter began to make a friendship immediately. See, Pastor Tao had had a stroke, couldn't move the whole right side of his body. He hadn't preached in almost a year at the church. He sat on the front row of the church that he has pastored, but now can't even move. He can't wear any shoes of any kind other than a specific kind of sandal because his feet were so swollen. I thought it was very special when London said to me, Daddy, let's go buy Pastor Tao some shoes. We got his wife involved and London had given all the money that she had on that trip with her to help buy Pastor Tao a new pair of sandals so that they can adjust with his feet swelling. That's what he wears to church. Probably the most gracious and kind pastor. And boy, when I preached that night, I felt the presence of the Lord in that room. And I felt that the message was all entirely towards me. <laughs> Isn't that interesting how that can happen? Here you're scolding your kids. Hey, don't do that. Next thing you know, you're like, you're right, Lord, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> you know. And London was there with me. And I didn't pay her way. She bought it herself. And I just appreciate how God has developed her heart over the years. If you've never been on a missions trip, sell some stuff in your room, do whatever you have to do, fundraise on the side, get a side job, get yourself to the mission field. I believe the mission field is what has helped cultivate London's heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking with Pastor Stensis yesterday, because I know how much London loves Pastor Stensis. Missionary to Africa, I had a chance to preach for him and his son in Uganda. London wasn't with me on that trip. She was only like three years old. But Pastor Stensis came here a few years ago, and London was called into missions from the Lord underneath his preaching and his teaching, and, and he made that video for you. He's very proud of you. You know what I love so much is, you know, we didn't have LeBron James up here. You would if you could. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have Michael Jordan. Because I would rather my children look up to these kinds of people. And a lot of them were people who've just come through our church, who've loved my family, who passed out tracks and had them over to, to eat and do things with them. Christy and Ian, aren't they a bunch of clowns? Man, Ian. You know why? Because he's a recruiter. He'll probably be calling me tomorrow. Pastor, you're not too old and fat to go in the Marine Corps, you know. He's probably going to do that. He's probably going to do that. But that's okay. We'll get him a point on the board. Amen. But you know, in this, this true story, a guy by the name of Derek, 1992, is Barcelona, Spain. It was the International World Olympics. You see, the world doesn't know that Olympics in that 400-meter dash they really don't even know much about the winner. They know mostly in the world news about the one who finished last. 
He had torn his hamstring halfway through that race. And again, it's only 400 meters. So it's done in just, you know, a few minutes. And he goes crashing to the ground. And when he fell, a bystander up in the bleachers came literally climbing over people in order to get down past security, pushed people out of the way, ran on the track and grabbed this man and helped get him to stand. And it was the runner's father. And Derek said, Dad, I'm not getting on that stretcher. He said, I'm going to finish this. Dad said, no, man, you're too hurt. You see his foot just dangling, no muscles left there to be able to grip that. And as the one side his dad had grabbed and they both hobbled, and right when they got to the finish line, the dad stepped to the side. And he let Derek just hobble and fall to the finish. It has been stated 65,000 people in person stood to their feet. The most talked about last place person in all the Olympics was that person. Because he had every reason to, to fit, fail, quit, walk off the the reason he was talked about for years after was the fact that he finished what he started. You know, a lot of people start, but not a lot of people finish what they start. And so I want to encourage you, London, if you would finish what God puts in your heart, and you're done when you see his face. Thank you for listening to this preaching podcast from Cornerstone Baptist Church. We hope that you were encouraged. For more information about our ministry, you can find us online at cornerstonefallbrook.org.